Our text comes from Job chapter 6 this morning. And in our text, in Job chapter 6 and verse 15, Job says, My brethren have dealt deceitfully as a brook. Moffat translates it a different way. Dr. Moffat translates it as, My friends disappoint me. The New Century Version translates it, My brothers cannot be counted on. Now remember Job. Job was one of the wealthiest men of the East. Job was a man that had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He had seven sons. He had three daughters, a great household of servants. He was one of the wealthiest men of all the East. And yet, the book tells us there came a day that the sons of God came together and the devil was in their midst. And God said to the devil, where would you come from? The devil said, from going to and fro and walking up and down in the earth. And as they conversed, Job became the topic of conversation. And God says to the devil, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the world, a man perfect, upright, one that fears God and hates evil. And the devil said, Yes. Of course Job loves you. Of course Job serves you. You've built a hedge around Job and everything that he's got. The devil said, i tell you what, you do something to Job. You touch Job and Job will curse you to your face. God said, I don't think so. But he gives the devil the green light. Well, if you remember the story, all of Job's, everything he's got is taken away. He loses his 7,000 sheep, his 3,000 camels, his 500 yoke of oxen, his 500 donkeys. All of his servants are gone. His sons and daughters are eating and drinking and making merry in the eldest son's house, and the wind lifts the house up and kills all of his children. And then after all of his wealth is taken away, Job says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, again, the devil and God come together, and God says to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? He still fears God. He still hates evil, even though you moved me against him without a cause. The devil said, yeah, but you do something to Job personally. He's lost everything he had. He's lost all of his children. And the devil said, yeah, but you hadn't really done anything to him yet. So then if you remember the rest of the story, Job is covered in nasty, filthy, slimy boils. From the crown of his head to the sole of his foot. And still, he retains his integrity. His wife said, Job, give it up. It's not worth it. Curse God and die. And Job said, you talk like the foolish women speak. Job has lost everything that he has. So when he says that my friends have disappointed me, on the lips of some men, that would be little more than a cry of self-pity especially on the lips of some in our day and time who think of what others owe them rather than what they might owe to others. 
But on the lips of Job, on the lips of this perfect, upright man that feared God and hated evil, upon this man of God, those words take on a much deeper meaning. Because you see, Job was a man with a roomy and generous heart. Job was a man that for him to live was to give. Job was a man that wherever he went, he brought joy to the lives of others. And yet here is Job. In his time of need, he justly feels that his friends have let him down. And you have to wonder why. Why did his friends disappoint him? Why were his friends not sufficient to meet life's difficulties for Job? Why were his friends not adequate for the demands of life? It wasn't because they had no eye for the need that existed with Job. Now, granted, all of us have met those who have a certain blindness when it comes to the suffering of other people. Folks that are sometimes too busy to even see the suffering of others. Folks that are sometimes too selfish, too wrapped up in their own concerns, and too cowardly to face the ugly facts of suffering in the lives of others. Well, if these men did not fail because they refused to see Job's difficulties, neither did they fail because of indifference. When they realized the deep need of their friend Job, they went into action. They paid him a visit. They went to see him. And that's a good thing. Not only did they visit with Job, if you remember the story, if you read the story, they visited with Job, they went to see Job, and for seven days and nights, They sat with Job, sharing his suffering in utter silence. And if they hadn't spoiled that fine record, Job's three friends would have been immortal. But like so many of us, Job's friends just couldn't keep their mouth shut any longer. They had to say something. It was like so many times folks are today when they go visit the sick. They stay too long and stay, say too much. You know, I love the things, you know, you, you go into a hospital room and there's someone laying there in the bed. They've got an IV pole on either side of the bed. They've got oxygen. There's, there's two bottles or bags hanging from both IV poles. There's IVs in both arms. And the wife or the husband is, the wife or the husband is sitting there by the bedside. Is he sick? No, he's resting up for his world championship fight tonight. Or, well, what's wrong with him? Oh my. You know, I had a friend that died with that last year. We just don't know when to shut up sometimes. Well, that was kind of the problem that Job's friends had. 
So in spite of the fact that Job's friends were there and they wanted to help, they did more harm than good. And Job says, my friends have disappointed me. Well, they did not fail because they were blind. They didn't fail because they were indifferent. They failed because they lacked adequate resources to help Job. They weren't sufficient to meet the demands. And so being short on resources, those three eager friends proved to be a disappointment. In fact, Job says they're as disappointing as a stream that has run dry. And that's a term that we're familiar with. Dryness is a term that church members are very familiar with. Dryness, that's a term that's quite generally, almost immediately and intimately associated with preachers. Did you ever hear of a dry preacher? Present company accepted, right? This means yes. I heard a guy say one time, he said, my preacher is so dry, I wouldn't dare strike a match anywhere close to him. He'd go up like a tinderbox. Sometimes preachers are accused of being dry. And sometimes it's a true charge. But let me hasten to add something. Preachers don't have a market on a corner on the market of being dry. Now that doesn't lessen the tragedy, it increases it. But there is such a thing as a dry congregation. That exists too. In fact, if you go over and read about God's preacher Ezekiel, Ezekiel faced a dry congregation. It's in Ezekiel chapter 37. It's the valley of dry bones. And you go read that and you'll see about a dry congregation. Well, these friends of Job's, they were as dry as dust. They were like a stream that's gone dry. They disappointed Job and they didn't have the resources for the demands that were being made on them. And the failure of Job's friends. Folks, it's nothing short of a sheer tragedy. And their failure is tragic and not just misfortune because it brought hurt to the very person that they could have helped. They came to see Job, and Job wasn't made better because of the efforts of his friends. In fact, Job was made worse. And their pathetic experience has been repeated over and over and over again. Because not only did they fail Job, they failed themselves. They missed out on the strength and joy they could have had if they had measured up. They were a disappointment to Job, they were a disappointment to themselves, and they were a disappointment to the Lord. And that's often the way we are. There is something of agony 
to realize. When we failed our brother or we failed our sister in their time of need. And it's almost impossible to have that kind of experience and not be weakened by it. When we help a brother or when we help a sister, that's to increase our own power to help. To fail, that is to lessen our power. And the great tragedy of the failure of these three friends of Job is their failure reaches its climax in the fact that it is so unnecessary to fail someone, to disappoint someone. It's tragic enough when it's inevitable. But to fail and to disappoint when it's our own fault, that's the very climax of heartache. And I would venture to say that many of us, if not all of us, have had that experience at some point in our lives. Truth be told, probably some of our most torturing memories are not of harm that we've done. But our most torturing memories are of good that we have failed to do. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can actually win where Job's friends lost. We can actually be sufficient to meet life's difficulties. We can actually be adequate for the demands of life. We have to realize something first. We have to realize that we are far more richly blessed than those friends of Job were. And we must realize that we come to our opportunities of service with the New Testament in our hands. And having that, we ought to be adequate and sufficient for the demands of life. Now we have to follow the example of these disappointing friends of Job. We have to go to those that are in need. Now I know, and you do too, sometimes a visit can be a very cheap and very meaningless thing. But it can also be so deep and meaningful as to result in the remaking of a life. You recall that important visit that Jonathan made to David? David was under the frown of Saul, the king of Israel. Saul was Jonathan's father. Saul was trying every opportunity he could find to kill David. Because David was destined to wear the crown. He had been chosen of God to take Saul's place when the kingdom was taken from Saul. David was destined to wear the crown 
that everyone thought rightfully belonged to Jonathan. Jonathan would not have had to commit a single act of violence to wear that crown. All Jonathan would have had to do is just left David alone. In that dark hour when Saul was trying to kill him. But, in his great love, and fearing that David's strength might fail, Jonathan went to see David. It tells us in the Scriptures that Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David. And what did he do? He strengthened his hand in God. That's in 1 Samuel 23 and verse 16. And in our humanity we think, how utterly foolish. By that generous visit and by strengthening David... He uncrowned himself as successor to Saul. But he went to see David. And he strengthened his hand in God. We can go see those that are in need. Our brother, our sister. And we've got to have something to share with them. The first step toward giving is receiving. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's in John chapter 7 and verse 37. But there's very little that any of us can do to induce others to drink if our own lips are parched. You see, if we're going to go to others and encourage them to deep, drink deeply of the water of life that Jesus provides, they're going to want to see Jesus living in our lives. And when they see Jesus living in our lives, then they're going to be eager to know whether or not the faith we commend has worked victoriously for us. And when they see that it's worked victoriously for us, and they see that Jesus has made a difference in our life, then they're going to be willing to let Jesus make a difference in their life. Have we ever really found have we ever really found in our own lives what Jesus promised that woman at Jacob's well? When Jesus sat down with her and He started a conversation by asking her if she would give Him something to drink. And then the conversation went on and Jesus told that woman, that those who drink of the water He provides will never thirst again. He said, that water will become a spring of life welling up to eternal life. Have we ever really experienced that in our own lives? Have we ever really come to Jesus and said, Fill my cup, Lord? And experience the living water that Jesus can give to us? Are you listening? When Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, 
When we have received the living water of Jesus Christ, then we have something to give. We become channels through which God's amazing love and mercy can flow to other people. But we can only help when we are seeking to help. And we can give and we can give unconsciously. We can give by other people seeing what we are. We can give by other people seeing Jesus living through us. But know this. It does not matter how eager I am to give. It doesn't matter how eager you are to give. We cannot give our very best in our own strength. The great difficulty of so many of us. The great difficulty of so many is that they're not bad people. It's not that they're even cruel or indifferent. The great difficulty so many of us have is that we're just inadequate. In spite of many fine endowments, And in spite of many great abilities, oftentimes we are just spiritually empty. Sometimes we're just not very spiritually minded. We do not win eternal life by force. We do not have to tear God's mercies and God's amazing resources from His grappling and grasping hands. God's mercies and God's resources come to us as gifts. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly in John chapter 10 and verse 10. That comes when we're obedient to His will. That comes when we respond to the great love of Jesus. And here's the question before the house this morning. Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life this very day? I've said this at least a thousand times. This probably will make a thousand and one. If Jesus Christ is not Lord and Master of all of your life, He is not Lord and Master at all in your life. And maybe once upon a time you crowned Him Lord of your life. You crowned Him Lord of all, but you didn't keep Him in office. You haven't lived life the way Jesus wants you to live it. And that inadequacy and that insufficiency has been observed by others. You need to come back home. When we make Jesus the Lord of our life, then we'll be sufficient to meet the demands of life. When Jesus is Lord of our lives, we're adequate for anything that life brings to us. If you need to make changes for Jesus to be Lord of your life, this is your opportunity to do it as together we stand and while we sing.